what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, little chef. You help me make some more delicious word cookies. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Let's get started. It's a familiar voice from childhood. Cookie Monster from Sesame Street, helping kids learn how to read. This time, me gonna try this. L. G. Turn. Leg. Leg. The method Cookie Monster is using is called phonics. Breaking words down into their parts, then helping kids connect those parts so they can read the words. <gasps> it work. It leg. But as delightful as it sounds in the game, Phonics is not as universally beloved as Cookie Monster and Big Bird. I'm Michaela Van Kooten, and this is Storylines, bringing you documentaries from across Canada. This week, I'm taking you to St. Albert, Alberta, where teacher and mother Brittany Thompson has been wading through everything she's learning about both sides of the reading wars, a decades-long battle over how best to teach children how to read. We have like a fun little hidden office, hey? It's Saturday morning at Brittany Thompson's house, just north of Edmonton. So tucked in the back here. We do all of our work back here, but this is about half of our book collection. This is where Bennett, Brittany's nine-year-old daughter, comes to find a book to read. We're looking at a messy collection of books. <laughs> a messy collection of books, definitely. They get pulled off and put back on all the time, right? Right. Yeah. And then we have a taller bookshelf with all of our novels. Mm-hmm. Are you excited to read the Harry Potter ones? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to sit down and we're going to cozy up and read those together, aren't we? Yeah. Bennett's in grade four now. She likes reading. But back in grade one, it wasn't so easy for her. That year, she and her mom were both in grade one classes. It was my first year teaching grade one. She was also in grade one. So we went off to grade one together. They were in the same school, but Brittany wasn't Bennett's teacher. Each day, they drive in together. Brittany would hand Bennett her lunch and they'd split off in the hallway. Brittany to her class, and Bennett to hers. I didn't have any concerns with her. I thought, you know, we know how to get kids reading, or I knew how to get kids reading, and I I knew her teacher would too. And it was about Christmas that I was like, hmm, like she's, she's really struggling, and she's not making the progress that I would expect um, from a grade one student at that time. And uh, I was starting to get concerned. Then, as we all know, a few months after Christmas, the pandemic hit. It was then, when they were home together, that Brittany really saw it. Just how much Bennett was struggling to read. It was tricky. Frustrating, mad, upset. Yeah. But Brittany had faith. Bennett was struggling now, but it would eventually click. 
teachers in their school division were not using a phonics-based curriculum to teach reading. They were using the other method in the literacy debate, something called whole language, specifically a whole language tool called three-queuing. Brittany knew it well. She was using the method to teach reading in her own classes, too. So we would look at the first letter and guess at what words could be. We would skip the word, read on, and see if we could figure out what it was. Or we'd use pictures to try and guess what that word would be, but never look at the word and sound it out. Well, it actually started what we call the whole language approach, which is the three-queuing, etc., it's really started in the 70s with somebody named Frank Smith, who was a Canadian. First, he was a journalist, and then he um, became an academic. And somebody named Ken Goodman, who was in the U.S. Linda Siegel is a professor emeritus in education, counseling, psychology, and special education at the University of British Columbia. She's put out hundreds of publications, including on the topics of early identification and intervention for reading problems. Starting in the late 70s and then in the 80s and 90s, this whole language approach has been uh, the predominant one advocated um, for use in teaching reading. This group believed that good readers actually look for other clues or cues Three cues specifically. Graphic cues, studying the letters in a word to figure out what the word is. Syntactic cues, guessing what kind of word it might be, such as a noun or a verb. And semantic cues, guessing the word based on context. They didn't want kids to get too bogged down with phonics. In this new system, the whole word was taken into account rather than individual sounds. It set the stage for what would become an evolving debate about the best way to teach kids to read. What we aim to do is not teach the child words, letters, sounds, what I call items of knowledge. That's Mari Clay, a developmental psychologist from New Zealand. Clay was an important player in the push for the whole language method, which she laid out in this educational video from the 1990s. What we try to do is teach the child how to work on print. That what they have to do is to say, oh, this is what I need to do, or this is what I want to do. How do I work on it? Clay designed an intervention for first grade students struggling to read called Reading Recovery. It is based on the whole language philosophy and relies heavily on the three cueing method. Siegel says the program quickly took off in Canadian classrooms about 20 years ago. In the early 90s, Frank Smith and Ken Goodman published books and did a lot of speaking and advocating uh, for this whole language approach. And reading recovery is very much like whole language, same kind of philosophy, uh, the same kind of books and exercises and all that. And they didn't have data, but that didn't matter. They were salespeople, and they were selling a product. Prospective teachers learn about how to teach reading. And they read textbooks. And these textbooks are written by advocates of the whole language approach. And 
the writers of these textbooks and the people who use them in their courses, some of them make a lot of money from this. So why would they give it up? The Canadian Institute of Reading Recovery was formed in 1993. It's a nonprofit, but it does charge school districts to have teachers trained in its program. Reading recovery also is very expensive and makes a lot of money. In a statement, the Institute says that while it collects nominal annual fees from school districts to provide its services, it doesn't receive any profits from textbooks or other resources it recommends for teaching students. Since 1984, more than 2.4 million students in the U.S. have taken part in reading recovery programs. In Canada, all provinces use some form of the whole language reading instruction. Yukon, B.C., Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario, PEI, and Nova Scotia specifically have been using reading recovery as part of the tools they use to teach literacy. Three cueing is a big part of what they teach. Here's how it was working in Brittany's classroom in St. Albert back in 2019. We have kids basically just memorize lists and lists of words. And rather than sounding out words and looking at the individual letters and how words are built and made up, we're having them just look at the whole word. Um, so you look at the word saw, and instead of knowing that A-W says ah and S says s, we just flash that word in front of them and say, look at the word, that's the word saw, and hope that they're memorizing that instead of breaking it down. Um, the three-queuing approach is just looking at a word and saying, can you guess what it could be? And kids are just guessing and guessing and guessing. When Brittany first started in the classroom, she was also guessing. She was not trained how to teach kids to read while studying for her bachelor in education. Learning to teach reading was secondary, I would say, to learning about how to be a teacher. That's what I went into the classroom with. It wasn't enough to get me started, and it was really challenging. School administrators gave her the three-queuing system to teach reading, and she embraced it until she realized her daughter was struggling to read. That's when Brittany started having doubts. A colleague suggested she read a book called Equipped for Reading Success, which advocates teaching kids to focus on the letters. Phonics. It was like all the pieces came together for me. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, of course we need to do this. I can't believe... I didn't think about how sounds and letters would attach. And why aren't we teaching phonics to the extent that kids actually require? The more I was doing reading and talking with other teachers in my division, we were all just saying like, oh my goodness. Like, it was like the aha moment of this is what's missing from our program. And she wasn't the only one with big concerns. In 2019, the Ontario Human Rights Commission opened an inquiry into how the public education system had been handling kids with reading disabilities. And pretty soon, that focus would grow to include all students. The Right to Read inquiry, which focused on early reading skills, found that Ontario's public education system has been failing students with reading disabilities. 
and many others by not using evidence-based approaches to teach kids to read. Children in other provinces have also been having similar challenges. I have been following the trend of reading difficulties in Alberta. I can tell you that in the last 10 years, the percentage of struggling readers has doubled. Doubled. George Giorgio is a professor in the Faculty of Education at the University of Alberta, where he directs the Reading Research Laboratory. In the past two years, one of his doctoral students, Christy Dunn, has developed a reading intervention to minimize learning losses due to COVID-19. Giorgio says that the program's since been donated to Alberta Education, which has shared it with all of its school divisions. The intervention is rich with phonics, phonemic awareness, vocabulary, fluency, and comprehension. His interest in teaching kids to read is not new. It grew out of his experience teaching second and third graders more than 20 years ago. Many of the kids, despite being provided with good instruction at school and having a lot of cultural opportunities and very engaged parents, they could still not read. He says a high proportion of kids who struggle with reading drop out when they get to high school. There is also a very close association between poor health, lower income, um, also uh, higher um, anxiety and depression in the population of kids that have reading difficulties. Giorgio is a proponent of the science of reading, which incorporates the principles of phonics. Curriculums that use three cueing, like reading recovery, focus on language and understanding context. But when it comes to learning how to read, research shows that sounding out the words remains the best option. Linda Siegel from UBC says, some teachers have known this for years. And when faced with young readers struggling with the three cueing method, some found themselves sneaking phonics back into their lessons. There are some teachers who either figured it out on their own, who have been trained in the more systematic approaches, that is using phonics to teach reading. And so they've been like under the table using it in their classrooms. So if somebody comes around to inspect them, they have to put it away. Brittany knew she needed new tools to help her daughter and her students. So she started to learn more about the science of reading and phonics. With classrooms closed, deep in pandemic lockdowns, Brittany and some of her teaching colleagues started a book club to discuss the most recent reading science. We had over 50 teachers reach out to us in our division alone. And they're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I've been doing this the same way for so long. And we're like, no, you know what? This is a safe place and we're all here to support each other. Brittany also began working one-on-one with her daughter, Bennett, trying out the new techniques she was learning. I started doing a lot of those phonological awareness activities with her, just trying them on her. And she was moving along so fast. Um, And you could see her taking those strategies, and when I would say, hey, 
change out this sound and this word and she could do it and she wasn't doing it a week before, I could see that growth coming along. After feeling discouraged for so long, the letters and words began to come into focus for Bennett. I felt a little bit more better. I felt a little bit more um, confident in myself. It's like I filled in those missing gaps. We need to take a quick break. Storylines will be right back. Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. While Brittany and Bennett found success through the science of reading and phonics, three cueing remains a big part of reading curriculums in many parts of Canada, and it still has its supporters. So, what are you going to read today for your story? Mm, I'm going to read this one. That Treasure Island. Clementine is in grade one. She's in a classroom at her school in Winnipeg, Manitoba, where she's been working on reading with a specially trained reading recovery teacher. Over 18 weeks, she's been getting 30 minutes of one-on-one instruction every day. I will plant this wheat, said the little red hen who will help me. Not I quacked the duck, and she went away to swim in the pond. Not I bark the dog. I now wait. Do a word that starts like that. Then then I will do it myself. We're in my little home office that I set up for working from home during the pandemic. Alison Machuk is one of the first people to train reading recovery teachers in Manitoba in 1994. Alison is mostly retired now, but she worked with the Canadian Institute of Reading Recovery for many years. She brings up one of the primary complaints about phonics, that it's a one-size-fits-all approach to teaching reading, whereas three cueing methods, like reading recovery, are more adaptable to individual student needs. We think that well-trained teachers who learn how to observe sensitively and design literacy lessons for the individual are giving each child exactly what they need, rather than assuming that one program will solve all of their problems. One of the most controversial parts of the three-queuing system is teaching kids to guess what a word might be by looking at the pictures. But Allison says... Teaching kids to look at the pictures for clues makes sense. The picture will help. The picture is meaning. It's a meaningful piece, as is the introduction to the story. It helps them get into the meaning of the story. So if a teacher says, this is a story about a little girl who goes to the zoo and takes some pictures, 
and she wants to show you all the pictures that she has taken. Um, then they're into the meaning of the story. They're not guessing. They're making very educated attempts. They're trying and testing. And, she says, reading recovery sessions do include some phonics. Of course, you need to do some work on the letters and the sounds of the letters. And you need to do a little bit of work with some words and show them how words work in English. But not too long. One of the problems is resisting the temptation to go on and on and on about letters and words, when really they're, they're the littlest parts. She believes Marie Clay's reading recovery approach is just as valid now as it was when she founded it. She said things decades ago that are now just coming out in the research. She talked about neurodiversity. She talked about brain development. She talked about developmental psychology. She talked about what was important in language and linking language to writing and reading. She definitely was ahead of her time. Yeah, well, reading recovery is the biggest failure of the last 30 years. George Giorgio doesn't blame Marie Clay because he says the academic body of evidence wasn't established when she was coming up with the program. But he says things are different now. The evidence shows that many kids improve, but the improvement is temporary. A 2019 journal article in Review of Education found that reading recovery leads to short-term success for some students, but that each year, 15 to 30 percent of students don't even complete the program. The study concludes that reading recovery does not tailor instruction to meet the needs of individual students, as claimed. And there have been similar findings in Canada. The Ontario Human Rights Commission released a report last year that found that at least one-third of Ontario's students are graduating without sufficient literacy skills. The report, called The Right to Read, recommends the province's Ministry of Education remove reading strategies that promote cues or clues and replace them with foundational reading skills, including phonics, for grades 1 to 8. In response... Ontario's education minister says that a new language curriculum focused on basic literacy and phonics will be in place this month. Can you give my cat a cupcake? Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Back in St. Albert, Alberta, teacher and mother Brittany Thompson has become a huge proponent of the science of reading and a phonics-based approach. There is the science behind how kids read, and it's developmental, and we can't ignore that. She's now the division's literacy consultant, and for two years, she's been working with George Giorgio to share what she's learned. All of our teachers have been trained in the science of reading. All of our teachers continue to get training. Myself and my colleague work with all the teachers, just helping them learn and do all the best things that we can for our, our students. So now, the methods that worked for her daughter are available to all kids. Every class is going to get 10 minutes at least of phonological awareness instruction, explicitly taught and systematically instructed um, every day. And that builds into a phonics lesson, and all of our teachers teach phonics for about 30 minutes a day. Kids are taught that words are made up of different sounds. 
but they also read books, work on vocabulary, parts of speech, writing, and more. Kids are getting explicit instruction, but it's meaningful and it's connected to something that they already know. When asked if she's received any pushback from teachers who are reluctant to change the way they are doing things, Brittany says. There's always people that are going to ask questions. And I I do welcome it and we're good and I'm happy to have those conversations. When they see kids are making those connections between letters and sounds and words, they're on board. They get it. They see it happening in their classrooms. The, The questions are farther and fewer between every other day. Linda Siegel says she recognizes the appeal of whole language curriculums, like reading recovery. But the data shows they're just not building blocks to literacy. Structured literacy, which includes phonics, is basically a very systematic way of looking at how you teach reading and how reading skills develop. It's a very systematic way of approaching it. And it's based on what we know about how the brain develops and how reading develops in the brain. Now, the now it's called balanced literacy or the whole language, starts from a different idea. They think that the important thing is to derive meaning from words. And of course, that's important to the structured literacy people also. But if you can't read the words, how are you supposed to get meaning from them? For parents of children struggling to learn to read, Siegel has this advice. Take their struggles seriously, ask their teacher for help, and read to them a lot. If a child is struggling with reading, it's very obvious to the child and it hurts their self-esteem. They feel inside that they're stupid because they're trying very hard and they just don't get reading. Find whatever the child is good at and do whatever you can to reinforce that. That will help the self-esteem, which then will help the children learn. This book is called If You Give a Cat a Cupcake by Laura Numeroff. Mm -hmm. These days, reading is coming more easily to nine-year-old Bennett. If you give a cat a cupcake, he'll ask for some sprinkles to go with it. When you give him the sprinkles, he might spill some on the floor. Cleaning up will make him hot, so you'll give him a bathing suit and take him to the beach. That's all for Storylines this week. Today's doc was reported and produced by Kristen Nelson and me. It was story edited by John Chipman and AC Rowe. We're part of the CBC Audio Doc Unit. If you like the show and care about Canadian documentaries, you can support us by leaving five stars. And tell a friend about your new favorite podcast, Storylines. I'm Michaela Van Kooten. Thanks for listening.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.